Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world today. Strategy and Leadership Podcast, we interview senior leaders who share their best practices for creating strategy, leading teams, and developing culture. And one of the things I really like about interviewing people on this podcast as we get so many different perspectives, so many different backgrounds, and really uh, real-life tools you can take to lead your people and bring into your organization, whether you're a CEO, a middle manager, or starting your first business. And today, I'm really excited to introduce my guest, Carl Cox, who is the CEO for North America for Cascade Strategy. Carl, how are you today? I'm doing excellent, Anthony. It's uh, really an honor to be with you today, and it's great to uh, hear your voice again. It was great seeing you down at the 10X conference uh, with Grant Cardone, so it's good good to uh, hear your voice again. Likewise, buddy. I know we've been chatting about this for a little while. I'm super excited to, I mean, sort of get into your brain and and hear about, you know, what's been going on with you, what's been going on with Cascade, because I know things are moving forward uh, fast. Uh, I'm really excited to hear about the conference you have in April. And of course, I'll be speaking at that. So I'm not uh, not worried about plugging that at all. And um, I would love to talk about, I mean, A, your background and, and hear about some of the stuff you see while running Cascade, because you see tons of plans, big and small. Um, You have your own organization that you're leading fast. Um, Just we'd really love to hear all about that. But maybe just as a way of getting started, you can introduce us and or introduce people to you and who you are and, and what Cascade's about. Yeah, sure. Once again, Carl Cox from Cascade Strategy, and I, I opened up the U.S. office uh, we're an Australian-based company from Sydney, Australia, and um, well, I was actually a client of Cascade to begin with. So my my role historically, um, I started out in, as a CPA and and uh, and the accounting audit side. Uh, grew up to be a CFO, and I was very fortunate very early on to be an executive just a few years after uh, public accounting. And and from that period, I, I grew and then uh, expanded into operations and, and had kind of both that dual. Uh, finance and operations role over time. And and so through that process, I got involved in strategy very quickly. Um, and it's really one of my, actually, it's one of my top five, if you may, strengths finders. I'm just very naturally tuned to kind of seeing the big picture and not only the details, but how to move forward in the right direction. And so for years, uh, how I got involved with Cascade is for years, I've been doing like everybody else, um, tracking strategy in Word, PowerPoint, Excel. You have the, the annual retreat and you go through things and and, and the real challenge was honestly tracking your strategy and, and prepare, preparing for those board meetings. And so I was with a previous company where we grew from 70 employees to 450 employees. And we just kept on asking the question, there's got to be a better way. Uh, through that, we, we looked at several different tools and we found Cascade and literally 10 minutes of the call. And this is going to date myself a bit. But when Yahoo first came out and, on, on, and you could actually search the Internet for the first time, it was like this wow moment. And, and that's what I had with Cascade. It was this, wow, um, we no longer have to do this on Word, PowerPoint, Excel anymore. We can actually track it much more easily and save a bunch of time. And so through that process, um, matter of fact, a half an hour later into the call, I asked Tom Wright, who's one of the founders, said, how can I invest in you? And so um, there, there's a bit of a story to that um, that I don't want to take a full podcast with. But long story short, I uh, basically moonlighted for about 15 months and, and helped become one of the uh, basically opened up the U.S. office uh, through that process. And we've been exploding ever since. It's been 
incredible. It's an incredible team, incredible culture, but more importantly, we have this passion of really being able to make an impact in the world. If we can help other organizations be more effective and have more clarity about what they do on a day-to-day basis, uh, those organizations can be more effective. And then each individual who's working with it, they honestly could go home a little bit happier each day because they feel like they're doing a clear contribution to their overall goal. So there's my big picture and, and how I got there. And, and um, it's just been honestly a real privilege and so exciting to be a part of the, the Cascade growth. That's awesome. Well, uh, one of the things, you know, that I heard in there, I heard that you have your finance background. I heard that, you know, getting that that execution, the dashboard, the measurement, especially as your company grew, was was critical. And I definitely want to touch on that. But one thing I don't want to step over in it is it's the, the aspect of the why for strategic planning, like the benefit of it. And it's, you know, there's the, the process, the meetings, the, that stuff. And then there's the actual, um, the, the impact on people. And so, um, you know, that that's what I'm going to be talking about at the strategy conference in, in Oregon. So maybe you could talk about that first and then we'll get back into it. But it's just why strategic planning, you know, the opportunity of it. And to that point, the opportunity of using a dashboard has benefits that affect people other than and parallel to business results. So, um, Carl, why don't you tell us a little bit about the conference, and then I'm going to get into your into your CFO uh, business running days other than Cascade. So tell us a little bit about the conference happening in April. Sure. So we're uh, really excited. So Cascade's uh, about seven years old now, and um, we have hundreds of clients throughout the world um, that are using our tool. And we just thought, you know, we really need to really start building a stronger community. We already have a great community. We have tens of thousands of people who get Tom's uh, email blog. We have an incredible amount of success, but it's like, we actually want to see people and, and shake their hand and, um, and start really developing, not, not just an online community, community, but um, something where we can shake hands and, and say hello and share some great ideas. And so kind of about a year ago, we um, came up with this concept of uh, let's do it. And we decided to do it in Portland, Oregon. Um, and so we have people like yourself, Anthony, who are coming throughout the United States. We actually have, I believe we have attendees from almost six continents now that's going to be coming throughout the world. So we're going to have a broad array of C-level type executives, their direct reports, people who are in charge of strategy for organizations. And we're going to have these incredible thought leaders. Um, once again, uh, yourself, we're going to have Brad Behrens, who's um, with the USC School of Business. And he does these futurist trends. And um, we're going to have Mark Fister, who has written a book called Across the Board. Um, We have these incredible other leaders that are just going to be able to say these things that we're going to be able to learn and glean from and take away uh, so we can help bring back our organizations. And the secondary part is to share the cascade strategy story. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people use our tool for so many different ways. And we want to show them how our clients are using them best practices we're seeing them so they could become better advocates of continually use, utilize the tool, make it more effective so they can be better with their strategy at their own workplace. Hmm, that's awesome. I'm super stoked for it. And, you know, one of the things that sticks out is, is the community aspect. 
you know, as so I was developing myself into a leader and a planner and looked for conferences that were related to strategy, you know, if, if there, it's a small community, like unless, you know, depending on what articles you read or books you read, but really creating that community of other leaders to say, hey, what are you doing? What's working for you? What's not working for you? Again, that's the, the methodology behind the, the podcast is to try to share those best practices and get them out into the world because, the world of a leader can be lonely sometimes. And if you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And it takes those conversations and that information to, to expand on that. So just super excited. I'll put a link to the event in the uh, show notes and just, I'm stoked to be there and stoked to share with other people. So I just want to take the opportunity to thank you for that. Um, okay. Let's go backwards in terms of tracking and using a dashboard. So in your uh, previous company, and I mean, again, even in your current company, going from 70 to 450 people, what was the importance of being able to not only track your strategy and have a dashboard? So, uh, absolutely huge. So, if you kind of peel back the onion a little bit, so why you got to ask the question so, why does strategy manager matter, matter, and uh, matter in the first place? And Strategy matters because when, when you're just going one direction, meaning you're just going straight and, and um, you're just doing operational, we're just going to do the same thing over year over year. I'll actually agree with those people. They don't need a strategy. Strategy is about taking where you are and going to a new direction, improving from where you're currently at trying to grow, trying to change your habits, understanding that you have some competitive forces in the market that if you don't change who you are, if you don't continue to innovate to become better, you'll end up falling behind. And so what we believe and what we know to be true is if you don't keep clear focus on your strategic initiatives, you'll tend to fall back and just do what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And next thing you know, you'll forget, you go back to your annual strategic retreat again, and all you're doing is looking at financial and operational data. What's key about a strategy is actually seeing these specific areas and see how you actually move the dial, how you've actually improved yourself as an organization. This is whether you're a for-profit, not-for-profit. It really doesn't matter what type of vertical you're in, but ultimately all organizations should be trying to become better a better part of themselves so they can have a greater impact in the world of what they're doing. And, and so with that, um, what we tend to find is so many organizations are spending so much time literally updating static documents that don't change a PDF, a word document, um, Excel. Um, it could even be a different, different tool, but what they're finding is that most of their time is literally preparing the documents to um, impress a board of directors and press a C-level group. That, in our opinion, is a waste of time. Um, what we should be doing is getting moving from what the heck is going on, stop spending so much time preparing, and, and asking the more important question is why is it going on? And so a, a tool like ours is that what it does. It helps reduce your preparation time for strategic planning by like about 70%. And so you can become a way better manager. You can be, truly become a strategic leader because you can pull yourself out of the weeds and, and look um, – in the aspects that are not just what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, but what you need to move forward for three months, six months, a year down the road, two years down the road, and, and making sure you're moving in the right direction. And those are the type of things that leaders look for, right? And so this is why I believe it's not only something that a C-level executive needs to care about. It's people in the mid-level of management and even people who are, who are starting up and, and early in the workforce. How can you help move the dial? How can you help make a difference? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what a 
school does is it helps provide those insights. Um, and, and then what is also important, you know, there's, there's three sides of this angle. There's people, there's process and systems. We provide one part, we provide the system. Um, but organizations have to have a process, meaning they have to have some type of, we call it strategic governance, something that on a periodic basis, they're reviewing the strategic plan and making sure they're staying on track with it. And, um, and then there's the people side, the people have to care. Um, the people have to be strategic. They have to be thinking and moving in that direction. And it should be a combination of top down and bottoms up. Um, I think sometimes with these things, it can feel like a watchdog type event. And that's not the intention by it. It's not intended to be just an accountability tool. When executives really shine with this type of tool is when a, a, a mid-level manager will bring up something and they'll bring up a gap, a challenge, an obstacle in their strategic plan. And, and then as a result, the management then sees it faster because it's so quicker to provide the information. And they actually provide either a resource, they remove the obstacle, they, they change the time period for it to get done. And as a result of that, they can actually move forward faster. And that mid-level manager finally feels like they've been supported. And the executive actually did something to get something done to help their team out. That's the direction organizations should be going at, not worrying about whether the PowerPoint presentation looks perfect. And, and so it's, a, it's really about substance um, and, and the content, not about the look. And, and that, to me, is the difference between what I call a great organization, somebody who's just uh, trying to look pretty. Hmm. So, I mean, there's the components, the ingredients to that is the, the process and then the people need to care. And one of the, the whys, because, you know, Excel has been working so far. And I'm not anti-Excel, just to, like, put that out there. If you're tracking oh. your strategy, if you're, like, using a dashboard, any type of dashboard, I don't care if you're putting sticky notes up on the wall, if you're using it, and I think, Carl, you would agree that, like, that's what's important is that the information is being communicated and you're using it to drive results and drive decision-making. Um but the, the thing that really stuck out was the, the, the team sees the, the gap faster and then employees on one hand feel supported and leaders and managers are contributing to people, which is the purpose of having senior leaders. Your job is to develop your people. Your job is not to, you know, I mean, partially spend your time in an office doing reports, but the rest of it is supporting your people and, and using leadership to, to drive people. So, um, one of the favorite things, and Carl, I'm going to ask you some of your best practices, like actionable tips that managers can take away as they're embarking on the dashboard journey. So what are the, some of the key things to look at? But um, Harvard did a study, I think, in 20 or 2014 or something like that. And it's one of my favorite pieces I've seen from them is the top five traits of strong strategy execution. So I'm going to read all five. Number one is everyone has a good idea for the decisions and actions for which he or she is responsible. So everybody knows what's going on. Number two, important decisions about the competitive environment get to headquarters quickly. Number three, once made, decisions are rarely second guessed. Number four, information flows freely across organizational boundaries. And number five, field and line employees usually have the information they need to understand the bottom line impact of their day-to-day -day choices. And why I bring that up is because four out of five of those is around information flows and knowing how they contribute. And that, to me, is the power of a dashboard. What are your thoughts on that, Carl? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't read that article, but that I... 100% are behind the concept of what they bring up. And, and 
going to the dashboard element behind it. So what matters with dashboards is that people are tracking information that matters. So, so I'm a really big proponent because most people are visual learners. They need to see the trends and the graph and the direction where things are going. They need to have clear indicators or where the things are moving up and moving down. But I've also seen organizations that get caught up in, I would call it over KPI, right? They're, they're doing so many key performance indicator. It's sort of like if everybody's special, then nobody's special. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and, and that's the same thing with KPIs. If every KPI is important, then no KPIs are important. So I think the biggest challenge of management, honestly, is figuring out which indicators really matter, which dashboards need to be figured out for each respective group. And then the other part I'm going to bring up behind this is, is it a leading or is it a lagging indicator? So historically, most organizations track lagging indicators. And what that means is it's, uh, for example, a lagging indicator would be is um, total sales for the year. Um, it's actions that have already taken place and by definition it happened. And so the kind of feeling is, well, sales is what it was. A leading indicator is what actions are we doing to increase it? So those are the type of things, honestly, that need to be measured more importantly, because those leading indicators, if there's strong correlation to the lagging is a part of what we call the strategies to help move the dial, to help increase sales. And um, you could have it be improving operations, reducing costs. Um, but but the, the, the key there is, once again, is focusing on the dashboards that matter. Measure what matters. John Doerr wrote that book. He talks about the kind of OKR concepts. Uh, big believer in a lot of what he says there. Um, free information, but also focusing on the right things and trying not to have the chicken little of, oh, I can't do anything about that number. It just is. We need to be proactive managers and focus on the things that we can control so we actually can change the outcome. And, and um, those are the type of leaders and managers that are really making a difference. And when we shine and show those numbers, then you get people moving in the right direction. Mm, absolutely. And I think that the other piece, I mean, speaking to the leading and landing indicators as a measurement, then there's also the actions. Because uh, in my experience, developing strategy and leading strategy meetings, you know, there's a subsection of people who just want to get into the what, what are we doing? What, like, what are the actions? How are we moving the forward? And and it's those parts are really important. But it's also, hey, great, you did these five things this month or five things this quarter, you know, how are you going to actually, what is the outcome of that? What is the bigger picture? So you're not just keeping busy because that's not strategic. It's the, how does that um, align with where the company is going? So maybe you can speak to that in terms of um, how do you cascade a strategy or what are some best practices for uh, setting that? I mean, we could probably be here for hours if we talked about organizational vision and strategic priorities, but um do you have any best practices high level for structuring the, the KPIs and, and finding what is the right fit for your company in that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, generally, right. If you want to kind of do a, a, a bigger picture, right. Each organization is going to have their, their vision and they're going to have their core values. Right. And then you're going to have your specific focus areas, which is typically three to five focus areas. And then you're going to start moving down to operational and departmental level goals. Um, so what we, the hope is each of those focus areas should have some big picture, what I call directions or indicators of what determines success. And then these operational goals should be supporting the improvement of those focus areas and those goals. 
And then the activities, as you just said, should then ultimately lead up and cascade up to the higher level uh, organizational goals, et cetera. So what's good is, is when we can once again have leading indicators, which we believe are going to make an impact on the lagging indicator, i.e. the actions, how, what things were changing, the what and the how and the do the activities, right? The projects to make the improvements. And then the real test is, did it really change the outcome? Did it change the lagging indicator? I think sometimes what happens with management, because sometimes our actions that we do today won't actually have an impact for six months to 12, 18 months down the road. It might be two years down the road. And honestly, most of us are so short, right? We only look at 90 days ahead. And so it's this challenge of we sometimes as managers like feel like we failed because we didn't see the outcome take place yet. But what we didn't realize is we were planting a, a mustard seed, right? And, and that's going to like grow like crazy. But it might take some time before it finally comes out of the ground and starts growing. And so having the patience and knowing and realizing what is really going to move it out, what is going to make a difference and what can ultimately provide fruit for your organization, that I think is the hardest thing to discern as a manager. Mm. And we had that, we've had that here. We, we were um, looking at some different avenues of growing and, you know, we, we looked at one, we were doing using a, an outsourced area for one particular piece. And, you know, we may have pulled the plug too early on it. We may have, we, we were having a return on it, but would have it, 3x or 5x or 10x down the road if we would have kept on moving the dial? Did it take us more than a year to figure things out? Should we have waited two years to keep the process going? So I think that as management and as team members to have not only the short-term picture in mind, but the, the long-term picture in mind. And, and uh, I think honestly, that's, that's the hardest part when looking at this, seeing this correlation, seeing cascade, but also having the big picture in mind. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's thanks for sharing like something that you might not have done exactly well because that's the thing, right? Especially as a, I would call it a young organization, a nimble, a fast moving organization. You know, you want the things to work and, and you don't have, like mentally, you, you might not have the energy and bandwidth to say, oh, you know, we're going to give it this much time. But it's like expecting a scotch that needs to be in barrel for three years. And, and you're like, yep, a, a year. Okay, we're drinking this in a year. Like it just doesn't work. So really having that timeline and having the, the whole management on board. And um, that's another thing. I mean, if you're adopting any strategies, because we started off talking about people and culture, any strategies having to do with people and culture, like many of those can take a year to two years to really become, uh, become fruitful. Um, but those are often the ones that have have the the biggest impact, but sometimes the hardest ones to see. Um, and and that's another benefit of of using a dashboard is that like it has a really big impact on on culture. So, um, okay, Carl, I've got two possible options for you in terms of my next question as we wrap up. So you get to choose your own adventure here. One of them is. Tell me a story about some of the craziest plans that you've seen within Cascade. So looking at all of the different strategic plans you have within the software, what are some of the craziest or most notable ones you've seen? So that's one path. And then the other path is tell me about what it's like um, from a strategic perspective, being a finance person, like how, looking back at your days, your CFO days, 
and the importance of being able to track the strategy, but really from that CFO perspective, so we can give our numbers people um, some really good value. So you get one of those two or both if we have time, which would you prefer talking about? Okay, so I will, I will, just because I realize not everybody's a CFO out there, I'll start with the crazy story first, and it might be short enough to go on the finance side. So, <laughs> um, so one of the things, uh, there's an excellent book out there by the Covey Group called uh, 4DX, The Four Disciplines of Execution. And they, uh, it's, it, I really, if you're in uh, strategic planning, this is a must read. It's one of my top 10 books in terms of strategic planning. And one of the things that they realized after doing 1,500 different implementations, they realized that the biggest challenge, the biggest weakness of any organization is that they put too much on their plate for any one specific period of time. And, and they really come down to, unless a specific leader is directly responsible, I'm not talking about where he's, he's uh, cascading it, he or she's cascading it down to other people, but when that individual person is actually managing, um, they should be only managing one to three goals per any respective time period, like concurrently working on it. What happens when we'll see strategic plans and, and it'll be like uh, eight people on the, on the team and they'll have like 427 goals. And we see this and they're like, yeah, we're going to get this done this year. And um, I call them clown plans. Okay. Because they're kind of laugh out loud, funny. Um, they're, they're just not going to happen. They're going to be disappointed. It's sort of like they're expecting to have a Thanksgiving dinner every day. Um, you're just going to get fat and you're going to want to take a nap and, and you're not going to get it done. And so we try to guide and provide our clients a little bit. We call tactical insights. We don't know their business. You know, we, we deal with so many different verticals, so many different organizations. We'll never be complete experts in any one area. However, we are, we, we can, we are becoming or are the experts of strategic ex planning and execution. And so when we see, we provide some tactical guidance. There, there is an organization we were working with, and I won't mention who they are, a Fortune 500 company, very successful. And we were having a conversation with them, and, they, and I asked them, uh, we, we replaced like a 120-page PowerPoint report for them. And, and they were saying, so what, what um, they were very, very happy. They had all like 120 projects that got down into a very short strategic report. They were very happy. And then, but there was another person who was pretty frustrated. And I said, well, so what, what's your problem? He said, well, I, I'm managing, you know, several hundred other goals. And, and let's just say that number was 400. And so I asked him, I said, so how many project managers do you have? And he said, and I, and I just presumed they'd say like 20 or 30 or 50. And so, so how many do you think, um, how many project managers do you think this, this uh, excellent organization had for their 400 projects? Oh, you're asking me how many? Oh, I'm asking you. I, yeah. I, I shudder to think that they might have not had any or or one or something like that. Just based on all of that. I mean, I would hope that that many they would have at least, you know, yeah, 10 or 20 at the very least. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so they had 400. Oh, they had a project yeah. manager for each project. Yes. Yes. So so this is what the greatest organizations in the world do. 
they realized lean principles, one piece flow, when a single person can manage the resources of a single activity and get it done with the highest quality as fast as possible, that is the most effective thing to do. And so it's very counterintuitive. Now, organizations like ourselves are just smaller and nimble. We don't have the resources to have you know, we'll have project manager for every single project we're working on. Um, we have to be self-managed. We have to do things ourselves. But if you're doing more than three in any one quarter that are truly strategic, you're going to probably likely fail. Quality is going to suffer or time, timeline is going to be pushed out. So that's, that to me is the big, one of the biggest lessons we've learned, one of the biggest insights we try to provide our teams. And it's hard, honestly, Anthony, because most of the people working with the type A personalities and they think they could get everything done. And so it's, it's um, those are the insights we try to provide. And um, a lot of people change. They make adjustments and they realize we tend to see this, this progression of 30% successful when they first start tracking it, their strategic plan for the first time. And then the second year, they get closer to 50 to 60 to 70%. And by year three, this is the process is developing who you are as a strategic planner and executionist they'll get to 80%. Now you realize I didn't say 100%. It's because we think there should be some, some stretch goals where people can achieve, they have a hard time getting to there. And so that 80% successful level has a combination of stretch and committed goals. And that is where I, what I believe is a healthy organization. And, um, but as you mentioned, this is not something I'd get overnight. It's gonna be a process and you're gonna have to learn to set the right number of goals for the right amount of people um, so you can actually move in the direction you are. And, and that's the hard truth, right? That's the hard thing about hard things is as a book was written, um, it's not easy. And, and, but those who are committed to become greatest strategists can develop extraordinary organizations. You, you move much farther and faster than those who try other things. Wow. Did you, I mean, to be honest, you, I'm still just like reeling from saying that that organization had 400 project managers for 400 projects and just looking at how I take on projects. I'm like, yeah, I could see that would make a difference, but that just shook me right to my core as a, as a strategist. But that's, I mean, that's really true. And looking at get, uh, developing yourself as a process and, you know, that comes in terms of your meetings, in terms of your planning in terms of your management, developing yourself as somebody who has like high accountability. And I know that even for us, there's a lot of way um, that we can develop that. Okay. I just have one last question for you. And it really, and it had to do with the stretch goals that you're just talking about. Um, how have you seen managers and maybe in your own experience, managers really want to have that, that they think that linear thinking, you know, they think that we're doing this way, we've done it this way. And how do you, have you seen any uh, encouragement for people who want to think outside of what they've done, like not necessarily just hockey stick growth, but not moving from A to B, but actually taking big steps. What are some um, best practices you've seen in, in terms of how to get people on board with that big picture thinking and not that like, Oh, I got to check my, I got to check my spreadsheet and see what's, what's likely. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, 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 what we've been taught right in business school is let's, let's have uh, 8% growth. Right. Um, and, and let's have nice, moderate, predictable uh, growth. Um, the problem is today things are moving too fast and 8% growth, might you might fall behind in an industry that's growing 30%. And um, it's also honestly kind of boring, right? Um, when we're just moving in a very small rate and, and 
pace. Uh, don't get me wrong, there's people who I know who love this stuff. I'm not one of them. I like things, JJ. You and I just got back from that 10X conference, right, in Miami. And, and the concept of 10X is this. It's pushing yourself to reach really high. And if you fail, you, so let me do the comparison. If you like just reach for 8% growth, and let's assume we start from a bar of 100. And we go for 8% growth, meaning we're going to be at 108 at the end of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we might that. Maybe we'll get to 107. But if you pull a stretch goal and say, no, we're going to 10 exit in one year, it's going to be impossible. You're not going to actually be able to hit it. But, but let's say, for example, which means that we're trying to get to 1,000, but let's say, for example, you hit 400 as that goal. Uh, I don't know about you, but 400 is a lot better than 107. Mm-hmm. And what the stretch goals do is they force you to think differently, uh, to do things in a different direction because the way you were doing the past no longer works. That's the difference between operational and stretch strategic thinking. And I will say it's way more fun. It's way more enjoyable. I think the challenge from a management perspective is you have to be careful about rewards. You, you can't set rewards on you're going to hit 10x. Um, you got to set rewards on along the way and how much you're getting towards that with blowing out your old way of meeting goals. And, um, but other than that concept and getting people to realize it's okay to fail, it's okay not to hit 10 X to get through three X or four X or five X. That's the type of mentality we want to develop. And, and I don't think everybody in the organization has to have it. Um, however, I think you need to have strike teams or growth teams or whatever you want to call it um, that have this type of mentality. And the more and more you could push it throughout the organization, the faster your organization will go. And, and um, this is kind of the OKR mentality uh, quite a bit, uh, the 10X mentality. It's called so many different things. Um, I'll give you a small little example of this uh, on a personal level. Um, I used to read about 10 to 15 books a year. And, and I thought that was decent. Um, and actually it's about 10 more than the average person, right? Or average person reads about one to two books a year. And I was like, well, I'm going to 10X it this year and I'm going to do a hundred books. Okay. And that was like kind of crazy because that's basically averaging two week and uh, starting a new business and, and doing all these different areas. And, and I could go to a bunch of things, but uh, long story short, I ended up doing 78 books. And some could say that was a failure, but for me to go from 10 books to 78 books was a huge success. And, and I learned so much through that process. And matter of fact, now I kind of go crazy when I'm not finishing about a book a week. Um, so it's, it's really changed my mindset. It's helped me be more of a growth mindset and it's the stretch mentality and it provides me energy to do great things in a day-to-day basis. So I, I find having some of those goals in your life that are really pushing you to do extraordinary work, not only stretches you from an organization, it also stretches you personally to do amazing things. And that's the type of stuff that you get out of bed, right? You get excited when you get to push something, realizing you're going to fail, but you're still going to succeed way beyond you ever dreamed of. Mm, That's awesome. I think it's like redefining what failure is because yeah, it's a failure in hitting your goals, but it's a, transformational success in, in being in action and being in performance. And there's no, you know, that's taking on recently is there's no, uh, there's no failure. Like there's no performance without failure. Like if you don't 
perform. You can't uh, perform without failure. You need both. They're, they're the two sides of the coin. So really relating to yourself and saying it's not a failure in person as a self. And even if you blast your goal out or even get a slightly higher or even achieve the goal, it's still a success. So um, it's all it's all a mental thing from an organization perspective. Uh, Carl, how can uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, learn more about Cascade, if they want to hear about the conference or they want to learn more about what it's like leading an organization? Um, like yours. Yeah. So, so uh, plenty of ways to get a hold of us. Um, so first of all, um, you could go to our website. That's probably the easiest way is executestrategy.net. Uh, you could just do a Google search on cascade strategy. Um, we do encourage you to come to our uh, event in Portland. It's going to be the end of uh, April, uh, April 28th, 28th and 30th. And uh, here in Portland, Oregon at the Hilton hotel. And um, the uh, you can get into that if you go to uh, basically HTTPS back, uh, double backslash and then uh, engage.executestrategy.net. And um, I believe Anthony as well, if you're part of his podcast, um, he has a, a discount code um, that by being a listener here, you're going to have the ability to get that discount to um, attend. So anyways, we encourage you. We'd love to meet you there. Actually, founders from Australia are going to be in the conference um, and you get to meet with our team and other great thought leaders. And then, um, other than that, uh, if they want to send me a direct email, it's, it's Carl, C-A-R-L at executestrategy.net. I'd love to hear with you. I'm also on LinkedIn under Carl J. Cox. And, um, and if you're into Twitter, I do a little bit of that at number integrity. So anyways, all those different ways are ways to get a hold of me. I'd love to connect with you and, um, learn more about you and your best practices so we can help share it with other people. Awesome, Carl. Thanks so much for, for being on the podcast today. I'm just I'm really stoked to be able to get you on as a guest. I'm stoked to be able to speak at Engage 2019. So I hope to see you all in Portland um, in April. And just really excited for everybody to take on, um, you know, tracking and executing their plans over the next couple of years and developing themselves into leaders that both lead strategy, both lead execution, uh, and help move things forward. So um, thank you so much. My guest today has been Carl Cox, who is the CEO for North America for Cascade Strategy. Thank you so much, Carl. Thank you. If you like today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, please consider rating us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and send this podcast to somebody you know. Tweet it to them, text it to them, get it in their hands. The more people we can help, the greater impact we can have in the world. And it might make a big difference for that person, their organization, and their team. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Always a pleasure to share with you. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. You can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.